wanted to uh, just, before I start the message in the text, uh, just thank Hope Church. We are grateful for you guys. We love this church. We love Rob and Will and Liz, and we love the, the team. Um, I'm grateful for Rob specifically. We serve in one Charleston together, uh, serve in many different other areas together, and he's a man who loves the word, loves to talk. You guys know that. He tells stories that go on forever, and he knows everybody somehow. They all link together. And then he, um, he loves his family so much. And so just as someone asked for you to pray for Rob and his family as they're away, he told me this was his third Saturday away since you guys started. And I was like, I try to not wreck it in one, <laughs> in one week. Uh, but, but just pray for him. As a pastor, specifically a lead pastor, you do carry things differently. And, and he, they need the time. They need the, the prayers. They need that. So just as uh, a lead pastor on behalf, and Rob didn't pay me to say this, just pray for him. Pray for them to just have refreshing time as a family because their family's health is good for the health of you and your family and this church. So we are super grateful uh, to partner with you guys and just wanted to let you know Rob loves, and when he speaks about Hope Church, he, he just does it with affection. This isn't a job for him. He didn't just like, hey, this would be a great income producer. Like, uh, that doesn't happen for church playing, by the way. Um, but, but Rob loves uh, this church, this church family. So um, just love to hear his affection for you guys. Well, um, I remember when I was a newer believer, 19 years old. I'd been a follower of Christ for one year. Got saved at 18. And uh, I was hired by a summer camp. I'm not sure why they hired me, but they did. And I was going to be a camp counselor for the summer. And it's like an outdoor-type camp, do some camping and things like that. For 10 to 12-year-old boys were in my cabin. And I was going to talk to them about God and the Bible um, and, and go camping and do all sorts of adventure-type stuff, which I was super excited about. Knew how to do the outdoor stuff. I didn't know how to do the God and the Bible stuff. So that was like new to me, and so I needed to know more about God and more about the Bible, and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. And so on June 5th, 1998, I got a journal, I opened it up on page one, wrote the date, wrote some different prayer requests, like five or four prayer points of like what was on my heart that day, wrote down Romans 1, because apparently I I read Romans 1. Someone must have said, hey, study Romans. So I was like, okay, Romans 1. So I read a chapter, and then I wrote a few comments on that chapter. Pretty simple. Maybe took me 15 to 20 minutes. But that day led to another day that led to another day that led to another day. And 23 years later, that day formed me in a way that I didn't have a clue. In kind of a desperation of like, I don't know God in the Bible, but these 10 to 12-year-olds are going to see right through me, and I need to show them something, and I need, I need help. And so tonight, what we're going to be talking about is discipleship, being a disciple, being formed by the Word. If you uh, want to grow in your physical health, and you're like, you know, the way to grow fit, like I just want to be fit, is not just by eating well one day or doing exercise one day. You have those people like January 10th they're done with like that promise they made and like they like they paid all that money for that fitness membership and they don't go back and like 
you know, the, the fitness place is loving that because they just signed up for 12 months, and they just count on that. It doesn't happen in a day. Neither does growing in godliness. It's one time in the word, and then another time in the word, and then the, the days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and you are literally formed in who you are spiritually by the word of God. So if you'll open up with me to Psalm chapter 1 or find it on your phone, Psalm chapter 1. You guys have heard uh, probably the, the term gateway drug before, like a little drug that then like leads to other drugs. Psalm 1 is a gateway psalm. It's a gateway psalm that leads you to other psalms to understand the rest of the psalms. And it's purposefully there for you to enter into understanding the importance of these psalms or songs. So Psalm chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, Yahweh, knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading, teaching, preaching of your word. God, that you would guard my mouth from error. And Lord, you would help us be receptive to your word, have soft hearts to your word, to go from unbelief to belief tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 1 is really talking about the way of discipleship. There's kind of two ways of discipleship it presents. Basically, wicked discipleship and godly discipleship, but the non-discipleship is not an option. Everybody's discipled. Everybody's discipled in, in one way, and, and really they have these two paths. So the first path we're going to look at tonight is the wicked discipleship. Verse 1 says that this man is blessed if he does not do this. He doesn't follow the path of the wicked discipleship. You notice in the text the progression. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinner, or sit in the seat of scoffers. And by the way, if it's storming too much, just somebody like yell at me because I'm just going to keep going and just assume that. Okay. Um, so there's a progression here. The person is, ju- is, is just walking. They're walking by evil. They seem to be glancing. There's some interest there. They're, they're walking in this way. But then they stop. They stand. They linger and begin absorbing the wicked counsel, standing with the evil company. But notice then the progression continues. Then they sit. They sit in the seat of scoffer and become one. They become the scoffer. They they become then the next person who's walking by. They're calling out to them. They're they're bringing them in. It's, It's the cycle of wicked discipleship. Misery loves company, and it's drawing people in. Now, in our day, it's not just walking, standing, and sitting. It's clicking and scrolling and blogging and viewing, TikToking, and whatever the next app's going to be next week. That's the progression in our day. And here's the idea I want us to understand. You end up becoming 
what you never thought you would become. The way of wicked discipleship is a path of becoming what you, you thought would never happen to you. Like on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, I, tr- I had to hunt down a gentleman in our church. Hunt down, because he wouldn't return my calls or texts. To plead with him to come back to his family, because he walked out. If you'd have told me this five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, that we would be here, he would have said no way. I would have said no way. I'm pleading with him to come back. He's angry, bitter. This didn't happen in a day. Slow fade, slow fading. This is the progression of wicked discipleship. Verse 4 says that the wicked are like the chaff which the wind drives away. There, There is nothing weighty to their life. There's no foundation. There's nothing of consequence. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? You gain it all. You get all the accolades. You get all the achievements. You have, have the, the, the rings from the championships. You have the medals. You have the promotion. You have the house, the car, the accolades of your family and friends. And you perish and die and spend eternity in hell. That's devastating. And that's the way of the wicked. And it's so easy. It's so easy. Jesus called that the broad path, the way of all sinners apart from Christ. And friends, apart from Christ, that's where we're, that's the path we take. But there's a different path. It's the blessed path. Jesus called this the narrow way. And friends, we are invited into that narrow way. The next point is godly discipleship. We looked at Wicked discipleship, next godly discipleship. Rob's been showing you from the book of Matthew that that Jesus calls ordinary guys uh, to himself, fishermen, tax collectors, others just to follow him. He calls them to walk with him, know him, learn his ways, his patterns, how he lives, how he loves, how he just does things way differently than anybody thinks. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus casts out a demon. It's a pretty public spectacle. And then he heals a bunch of people and casts out more demons. And like Peter and the other disciples are like, we got a good thing going. We are getting popular. People are coming at us. And so early the next morning, Jesus goes off and prays. And Peter and others start looking for him. They're like, why did you go away? Like, we got a crowd now. They're all following you. Like, like let's do this says this in Mark chapter 1, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go to the next town, that I may preach there, for that is why I came out. Jesus does things so differently than we would. He could draw another crowd. He could gain a big following. But what does he do? He pulls away to a desolate place and prays. He pulls away and spends time with his heavenly father. He talks, he listens, he slows down. 
You see, Jesus is the ultimate godly disciple of Psalm chapter 1. He fulfills this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But, look at the text, his delight is in the law of the Lord, Yahweh, and on his law he meditates day and night. This law here can mean the Old Testament of, of Moses called the law or like the law and prophets or it could just be the whole testament at the time. We could look at this and say, this is the, the, the Old Testament and New Testament. This is meditating on God's word. Blessed is the man or woman who loves God's word. God's word means more to them than the way of the wicked, the opinion of sinners, or the judgment of scoffers. They love it. They delight in it. Have you ever delighted in God's word? When Jesus battled Satan in the wilderness, Jesus battles with word. He quotes Old Testament texts. That's what he quotes. That's, that's the war is a battle of words. The word became flesh and he battles with words. Later, Paul calls God's word the sword. The only offensive weapon that a Christian has, everything else is, is protection. It's it's defensive, it's the helmet, it's the shield, it's the breastplate, it's all that. There's one offensive weapon that we must carry, we must not lay down. It's the sword of the Spirit, it's the Word of God. It battles our unbelief, it battles our bitterness, it battles our pride, it battles demons, it battles Satan. The Word cuts deep, but it gets its work done every time. Friends, delighting in God's word comes as we feed on it. I used to not like coffee. Didn't like it. And then I slowly started drinking more coffee, fixing it in a way that I liked and started liking it. Now if you come to my house any morning of the week, there is coffee. Not only do I like it now, my wife likes it, and now I have teenage daughters that like it. Now we're fighting over more coffee being made in the morning because we all enjoy coffee. Something I used to not like, I now like. I used to not like wine, but then I learned about tannins and flavor notes. Some of you guys are wine snobs. Don't just don't act like you're not. And I actually had some good wine with meats and cheeses. And it was like, actually, this is pretty good. I kind of like this. Something I didn't like that I learned to like. Friends, we do this all the time. Sometimes we're like, ah, I just can't get into God's word. Well, what about coffee or wine or beer or something that you used to not like at all? You had no taste for it. And now you're like, man, I, this, I, this is a delight. I used to not like running. I used to not like exercise. I used to not like whatever it is, that kind of music, that kind of movie, whatever. And now you do. It's the same with God's word. You get a hunger for it. You get a taste for it. We've got to tune our taste buds, our heart, to delight in the richness of God's word. You learn to like it. You learn to love it. You learn that you can't spend a day without it. It's a good addiction, if you will. And when does the godly disciple think about God's word? Look what the text says. He meditates on it day and night. 
That word meditation is not the Eastern meditation of, of cleanse your mind, clear your mind. No, this is, this is the biblical meditation of filling your mind, filling your thoughts, thinking rightly about God and his truth, thinking, meditating, contemplating, muttering. An illustration I've heard others use that I love is like how many people, we're not, because of COVID, we're not going to admit if you had this any time in the last month. But sometime at one point you had a sore throat. Okay, just imagine hypothetically you had a sore throat and it felt like daggers in your throat. And someone gives you a cough drop or a lozenger. And you put it right here. And if you're an idiot, you chew it real fast. And then it's like, well, that was unhelpful. That didn't actually do the soothing that it was supposed to. But what do you do with it? You're, you suck on it. You let the honey or the cherry flavor, whatever the flavor of the month you have, it like drips down and heals and helps and soothes you. That's the idea of biblical meditation. You let it stay there. You let it go down to your heart. You let it soothe those places that are cut, that are hurting, that are raw. God's word does its work as we meditate on it. And it's done day and night. It rolls over in our mind. It forms us. We want it to be our thought, almost like lyrics of a song that you don't know why you're singing it. It's just there, and you're like, did someone sing this? Did, did I hear this somewhere? And you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's in my head. We want God's word to be in our head. We wake up in the morning. And we, it just forms us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't even care about anybody else right now. I want more sleep. This is the day that the Lord's made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Or, man, last night I got angry with my wife or my kids or uh, I don't want to go to work today. And you realize, Lamentations 3, his mercy is new every morning. I don't have to live in the condemnation of sin because I'm in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. As we're drinking that cup of coffee in everything, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks. This is a gift from God. As we repent, if we have that hard heart, we don't even know why we have it, or we had those harsh words to our kids the previous evening. We remember Hebrews chapter 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. We take care. You guys are getting rain on? Okay, just let me know. So we mutter, we meditate. And let me just give a side note here. We don't spend time in God's word daily because we're super strong. Please know that. So if you think me or somebody else, like, well, they're strong. That's why they're spending time in God's word. No, 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 no. I'm super weak. Like, there are mornings where I am so hard-hearted. I have no idea what happened between going to bed the night before and waking up, and I just feel hard. I feel angry. I got issues. Friends, we need God's word to form and transform us. We don't spend time in God's word because we're strong. We spend time in God's word 
because we're weak, we're needy, we're desperate, we're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Look at Psalm 1, verse 3. Look at what the person who delights in God's word becomes. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf doesn't wither, and all he does, he prospers. This godly disciple is not moving. The storms may come, the hurricane force winds may come, but they are not moving. Why? Because they're planted with deep roots, deep roots that are living and and taking in the uh, fountain of living water. They're nourished, they are stable, they are strong, and they yield the fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. They, they have the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. It's a constant source. It's a daily source. It's a nourishing source. It's a spiritually flourishing source. And friends, Psalm 1 means so much to my family. About 17 years ago, my wife and I, as we had our first daughter, we're like, you know what? We need to pray over our kids when they go to bed, and let's just pick a passage to pray over them. And Psalm 1 was the passage that my wife picked. So every night at the Seaver home, we'll pray for our kids, and then we'll recite, Lord, let, let's not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Let's delight in your word, and on your word meditate day and night. And let's be like trees that are firmly planted by streams of water, which yields us fruit in its season, and leaf doesn't wither, and whatever we do, we prosper. Not a prosperity gospel prosper, but a, pro- a prospering in God's word, a prospering by having deep roots in God's word. That is the godly disciple, and that's what we want. And my seven-year-old, she will just kind of mess that up, and you're like, eh, that was okay, babe. Um, but it's knowing God's word, getting deep roots in God's word. And I want to end with this. I want to end with some practical application. Practical application. Number one is this. Find a time. If you just, as we're talking about God's word, you're just having heaps of condemnation on I just want to help you here to take out off condemnation and encourage you. Find a time that works for your personality, that works for you. Some of you guys are morning people. You wake up in the morning, you're like, yes, conquer the day. If that's you, go for it. I'm not that, but that coffee helps. If you're a night person, cool. If you're that mid-afternoon person, cool. Find a time. Secondly, find a place. My wife has a little nook in our bedroom. She likes to spend time with the, in the Word. I have a, an Ikea rocking chair in my home office. That's my place. And one of the things I love is now that my kids are older, they now come to those places. They know where mom is. They know where dad is. And now they start doing it. They want to have a devotion time. They want to learn. They want to grow. Find the place. Find the time. Find the place. Next, find a routine. Make this easy. So if you're one of these people who, like, you've got to find your house coat when you get out of bed, or you've got to have your special pajama pants or whatever it is, get it, put it beside the bed. Put it so you're not searching for things. Make it as easy as possible for you to spend time in God's Word. That may be starting the night before, which means going to bed a little bit earlier so you can wake up a little bit earlier. Set the coffee. 
In our church, we have some coffee snobs. Like, you know what a coffee snob is. Like, they, like, the temperature of the coffee matters and how you pour it, and it takes 45 minutes to make a good cup of coffee. I don't care about that. I have to sacrifice coffee and make decent coffee that's there for me that goes off every morning at 6 o'clock so that when I'm getting up that I can have it done because that's the first thing I do. Go to the refrigerator, get the creamer, get the mugs, get the coffee. It's easy, and it's a routine. Have a book. Part of a routine could be having a book to get the juices flowing. This was advice given to me years ago that really served my soul. Just a book that's about the Bible, that points you to Scripture, but it's not the Bible yet, because you might read the Bible and be like, I don't even remember what I just read if it's so early in the morning, but a book that can get juices flowing can really help. I'll go faster. Having a journal can be helpful. Writing things down. Reading through the passage. And, uh, and just one thing I wanted to say, because I was talking to Rob and Liz about this, because you guys, some of you are doing reading plans. Everybody's going to be different. Go with what's helpful for you. So I'm not a big read several chapters in the morning. Like that, I just can't keep up. I don't get as much out of it. But I was in Ephesians 1, 1 through 6 most of last week. Like seven days and six verses. That's okay. The point of a, a devotion time is to have our heart happy in God. Jeff Perswell, a scholar, says that have your heart happy in God. If the goal of your devotion time is to have your heart happy in God, how do you work best? Go for it. If you love killing five chapters of God's word, go for it. If you love one verse, go for it. Let's spend time in God's word. And so let me end with four truths. First truth is this. Jesus spent regular time alone in prayer and with God. We need it. Second, Anyone can get in on this. Third, hearing from God is available to you every single day. And fourth, if you don't know how to spend time in God's word, ask. Ask. Your leaders want to help. Your leaders want to help you. Love you guys. Sorry for getting all wet. But grateful for your attentiveness. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for Hope Church. I thank you that as they dive into your word, your word forms us. It is the sword. It is the source. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we pray that you would be glorified. And even just as the water comes down now, your Holy Spirit would come and wash us clean. Lord, we would be reminded of the fountain of living water and that we would grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.